You ain't got to worry about trying to talk somebody's talk and walk somebody's walk and be like them. Be like Jesus, praise God. And the anointing of God will destroy that yoke of bondage. Amen? Amen. Are y'all ready for the word? Why don't we do this? I want you to buckle your seat belts because this is about to be a bumpy ride. Are y'all ready for it? Amen. All right. Now, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 14. And before I actually read there, I just want to kind of go over a couple of little things of background. And then I'll, I'll, I'll eventually get around to reading Isaiah chapter 14. I have a pastor friend of mine who is from the country. He's way out in South Georgia somewhere, way on out country land i mean farmland everywhere i mean you got cows and cattle and well you know honestly i got cattle out there where i live but (laughs) but i mean he's like way way out in the sticks in south georgia somewhere and he told me the story of one day when he woke up uh one night excuse me he was going to his shed outside is, is, is separate from his house there's a shed he has to go from his house to and as he was going toward the shed he was looking for some tools or something and so he kept seeing this little long figure near this hole and he kind of looked over toward this long thing and he thought it was moving but it really wasn't but it was just still and he was looking and so he was like what in the world is that and lo and behold he fell in a pit right near his shed where the earth had kind of caved in a little bit and he had fallen into this pit and he looked up and there was a snake right in front of him he went ah you know and he was afraid and he grabbed a brick down there and he started banging and banging and banging and banging and beating and banging and he just kept beating and beating and beating until he couldn't beat it anymore and all of a sudden he, he crawled out of the pit and he looked and the snake was just it was dead dead you know and he came in the house huffing and puffing and all excited and nervous at the same time. And his wife was like, honey, what happened to you? What's all that dirt doing on you? He said, honey, you don't, you're not even going to believe what just happened. So said, I went out there to the shed and I fell in this ditch on the side of the house and I had to kill the snake. You know, the snake was a kind of relatively small snake. But he said, that thing was huge as ever. You know, he said, it's out there right now. And I had to kill that thing. And then she said, that, that is mighty funny. She said, because the kids were talking about a snake yesterday that they killed out there in the yard. And the guy ended up trying to kill a snake that was already dead. His kids had killed that snake yesterday. That's why I wasn't moving. So the title of this message today is, Beat the Devil Down, Though He's Already Defeated. Amen? Beat him down, though he's already defeated. Let me tell you something. You know the devil. He's the arch enemy of God. Satan's been around for many, 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 many years. And listen, the thing about the devil is he's been around for so long and he's so old, yet his tricks are very old with him. They're never new. He still uses the same old tricks. The reason why he don't have to come up with anything new is because his old tricks still work. And they work against human flesh. And he's our number one enemy. The devil is the supreme spirit of evil. He's personified evil. In fact, he is the epitome of evil. Evil was invented when the devil got kicked out of heaven. He's the reason why. Now, listen to this. He's referred to in the Bible and other references as abandoned, accuser of the brethren, adversary, antichrist, Apollyon, Beelzebub, Bilal. He's known as the devil, deceiver, devourer, dragon, evil one, false one, fallen one, god of this world, great red dragon, hellhound, lucifer, liar, 
Lord of the flies, father of lies, legion, mammon, murderer, prince of demons, prince of the power of the air, ruler of darkness, Satan, slewfoot, serpent, serpent of old, tempter, unclean spirit, and wicked one. Listen to this. His characteristics are he's cunning, he's slanderous, fierce, deceitful, powerful, proud, cowardly, wicked. He possesses, he binds, he deceives, and he blinds. He ensnares, he entangles, he tempts, he strickens, he afflicts, he opposes, he sifts, he disguises, he steals, kills, and destroys. How would you like somebody like that playing in your backyard with your kid? Can you imagine that? We're talking about the devil, the arch enemy of all evil. Now, there is a misnomer in, in society that says, you know, the famous Flip Wilson, the late Flip Wilson. Anybody remember Flip Wilson's saying, saying that he coined, the devil made me do it. But let me tell you something. Satan can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. The devil, I believe we've given him too much credit as believers, especially. We have given the devil too much credit. I used to go to some of the old country churches and even some of the churches in the city, and you'll see some of the older people stand up and say, you know, the devil been riding my back all this week, all last week. He rolled my back. I'm like, why don't you shake him off your back and kick him back under your feet where he belongs? Because we give the devil more power than he really deserves. Satan is, listen, he is a defeated foe. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a defeated foe. Now you've got to really let this thing sink in. Because we, we live in a real world that we have real issues that we're dealing with in this real world. And when we look at the world as believers, if you don't know a little bit about your Bible as far as the place of the devil and where he belongs, then we can be deceived, greatly deceived. And that's an awesome thing because, listen, you, you basically live life based on your belief system. You're only as successful as your belief system will allow you to be. Let's say, for instance, if you have fears of the devil, then that's going to restrain you from many things in life. Many, many things will, you will be restrained from because you have fear that takes over. The Bible even says that that fear is even of the devil. All of these negatives are from the devil. He's the one that is the inventor of all of these negative things and so forth. And I'm here to tell you that we have victory over the devil as believers. Everybody's got to believe that. We've got to believe that. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus Christ himself said that. So the devil seems to have power, but let me tell you something. His power is only unleashed to those that are not blood bought and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the glorious gospel of Christ should shine upon them. Listen, Satan has blinded the minds of the world, and the world doesn't really understand that all the turmoil we're going through, Satan is behind it. He doesn't make anybody do it, but he influences society. I got news for you. He happens to be the God of this world, the Bible says. The devil is the God of the systems of this world. The economic governmental system and all of the demonic stuff that takes place. You remember that thing called morals that people used to have years ago? Well, we've seemed to drop those things called morals. We've compromised, and I heard one minister say that if you take a frog and put him in boiling water, he would jump in that water and jump out as soon as he jumped in there. But if you take the same frog and if you put him in lukewarm water and just heat the temperature up two degrees at a time, 
you would literally end up boiling that frog alive. Can you imagine that? And see, that's the way it is. Way back in the early days of church, we had convictions. And there was a line of demarcation between those that are Christians and those that are not Christians. You wouldn't know a Christian a mile away. It wasn't by what they wore. It wasn't by the way they looked or whatever. It was by the way they lived their life. There were morals. There were standards that people believed in and stood for. But I'm here to tell you those standards have fallen over the years because of compromise. Listen, even back in the 50s, we're not talking about way, way back. We're just talking a few years back. Even in the 50s and 40s and stuff, of course, I wasn't born in those years, but even back there, people had a lot of morals. When they saw a preacher down the street, if they were smoking a cigarette, they put it out and try to lie about it or something. You know, they wouldn't be. Now folk would come up with crack cocaine and shoot drugs right in front of the preacher, cuss him out, rob him, and then kill him. No fear, no morals, no nothing. It's because the progression of sin is getting worse and worse. And this generation right now is really a generation that is a lot of times has been raised without the morals of God at all. We have a generation that doesn't speak to older folk, that doesn't respect older folk. They don't respect any kind of authority at all. You know, one, I was at a church gathering where we had some ministers get together. And then somebody was asking the panel. I was one of the people on the panel. They were asking the ministers, how do we reach this generation? How do we reach these young kids? They're rambunctious. They play the loud music. They got all the cussing in there, calling the women the bees and this and that and all this kind of stuff. They're into the drug scene, homosexuality, lesbianism. They're doing everything. How do we reach them? Then one guy said, well, you got to know that language. You got to know where they are. You got to identify with where they are. You got to do this. Another guy said, well, you got to talk their talk. You got to do that. And then one guy said, well, I don't know how to do all of that. And the anointing hit me. I said, sir, with all due respect, you don't need nothing but the old fashioned anointing of the Holy Ghost. You ain't got to worry about trying to talk somebody's talk and walk somebody's walk and be like them. Be like Jesus, praise God. And the anointing of God will destroy that yoke of bondage. Amen. You don't have to compromise your faith and try to go out all over, kind of bending all on edges and doing all kind of ridiculous stuff that's not even a part of your character to win somebody. Just give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do it in the best way you know how. Open your mouth and share the good news and let the anointing of God hit them where they live. Amen? It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Look at your neighbor and say, it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. We don't have to sit up here and be dumbfounded over the fact that how are we going to get rid of this rascal? The devil's already been defeated. But we don't know that. And people that don't know that live life as if he's all of that and a bag of chips. Let me tell you something. The devil's got a dwelling place and it's underneath my feet right now. And I got a pretty big foot so I can squash that joker right on down there. That's where he belongs. Underneath your feet. We allow the devil to get in our marriages. Marriages don't even last these days. You got more Christians divorcing right now, and the ratio is 53% Christianity divorces versus the world, the secular world, which is 52%. We've outnumbered the world in divorces. And we're talking about Jesus, y'all. Oh, I'm a child of God, I believe, and yet we, you know, irreconcilable differences. You should have prayed about it before you got mad in the first place to get the mind of God. But I'm telling you, as they say, it's whack these days. The system is just whack. It's screwed up and we need a revival. We need some folks that can bring back the standard of righteousness and holiness in the Lord. And when we talk about holiness, I'm not talking about no old-fashioned bondage doctrine. I'm talking about living a righteous, godly lifestyle 
that's pleasing to the Lord so that when the world sees you, they will see Christ in you. The hope of glory. Amen. That's what it's about right there, my friend. That's what it's about. But we've compromised over the years. Back there in 1963, they took prayer out of school. The divorce rate went up 200%. Crime and murder rate went up 400%. Drug rate went up 350%. Once they took prayer out of school, King got assassinated, Kennedy got killed, right when prayer was taken out of school. And that's when everything went downhill. And right now we have a godless society. If you look across the universities of our nation right now, they have taken the Bible off of every shelf of every university across America. And especially in the Ivy League universities up there in the New England states, that's where God was introduced. These were Christian colleges. And they've taken Christianity off of the records and they put in the place of it New Age. New Age and witchcraft. Can you believe that? That's the devil right there. And the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Listen, bad things happen when good people sit back and absolutely do nothing. We talk about, oh, how bad the society is. We talk about, but we're not praying. We're not fasting. We're not doing anything about this thing. We need to change this. Because all God needs is a remnant. He doesn't need a whole lot of folks. He doesn't need a huge crowd of folks. All he Listen, God used 12 men to turn their world upside down back there in the day. Jesus raised up 12 disciples. One of them was a devil. He had to replace him with Paul the Apostle, basically. They say he's actually the 12th disciple. But, of course, he was replaced by Bartholomew. But, but, but I'm just letting you know, there are people that have an anointing on them. And all it takes is the anointing of God to set a fire. You could set a whole city. Paul the Apostle, single-handedly, two things would take place when Paul came on the scene. Revival would break out or riot would break out. One of the two. Paul would either run for his life or stay there for a while and heal a lot of sick folk and deliver them. But Paul didn't play. But let me just move on and do what I got to do here. Amen? So you got to understand the devil is indeed behind all the negative stuff that happens in life. But I'm telling you, not all of it is the devil's fault. We blame the devil for everything. But the devil doesn't control everything. You and I, do you realize that we today are the total sum of all of the decisions we've made in our lives up to this point? We are the sum of the choices we've made. People say, I'm I'm sick now. The devil gave me a cold. Well, you may have gotten a cold because you went out to your mailbox with no socks and shoes on your feet in the rain. And we tempt God by doing crazy stuff that's not even common sense. And then we say, it's the devil. But how many know that can happen to anybody? There are certain things that we've got to do. Some people get married and they're not even mature and they fuss and fight with their spouse and they want to call it quits after the first argument. And they say the devil broke it up. The devil didn't have nothing to do with that. You were the one that broke it up. You needed to grow and die to yourself and mature and know that marriage is not all about you and me and my. It's a two-way thing now. you got two lives coming together as one as an adjustment period there. And we got to understand that certain things that are caused in life are not all the devil. It's usually us because of our choices. And even though the devil is the one behind the influences, negative, negative influences of our choices, he's not the one that makes us do anything because he can't make us do anything. We've got to allow that. But I want to share something with you here. You know, uh, the Bible says in Luke 10:19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said that in Luke 10:19. Remember now, he says, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Listen to this. And all, somebody say all. 
The word all simply means to the exclusion of none and all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. We've got that power in us. I'm going to prove it to you in just a second. Now, people think that there's a great war between good and evil in the universe. God against the devil. Let me tell you something. I hope you wake up on this one. There's not a war between good and evil and God and the devil. It's not like God's got some boxing gloves on, boxing it out with the devil. Comparing God to the devil is a slap in God's face. God created the devil. He didn't make him a demon. He made him an angel. But Satan made a choice and as a result became a demon. God's got more power than the devil can even think he has because he's the creator of Satan. That's like comparing God as a big 90-foot python next to an earthworm. That's like comparing a newborn kitten, the devil, next to God who's a ferocious lion. That's how the comparison is with God and the devil. There ain't no comparison. There ain't no equal. It's not like they're on the same plane, good versus evil. God's got this whole thing under control. I want you to understand that. So even though your life may go on through several turns and some stuff that may be going on confusing things, maybe you got decisions right now you need God to answer. Maybe you are going through a divorce. Maybe you had a loss of a house or a loss of a job and you've been waiting and hoping and praying and it doesn't seem like things are turning around for you. I'm here to tell you this is how I'm going to teach you hopefully today how to get some authority under you so you can realize who you are. Listen, all you got to do is make your mind up and know the devil is defeated. If he's defeated, why in the world am I going through this? And, and, and a lot of us are going through it because we don't know. Ignorance can hold us back from a lot of stuff. If you don't know, you just don't know. But I'm here to tell you that if you only had the knowledge of knowing who you really were, then you would know who you really are. And then, listen, it took me years, literal years of going through just turmoil and negative issues, always complaining about how it looks like I'm attracted to negative things. All kind of negativism start happening in my life. And it's like, man, why me, Lord? Why me? And the Lord said, because you're allowing it. And you're going out talking about negative. Step on the neck of the devil and reverse that situation. And it took me some years to understand God was waiting for me to step into my authority. The Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Listen, according to the power that worketh in us, there is a reservoir of potential power that is so powerful inside of us, bursting to come out. Just waiting to be unleashed. And many of us hadn't even tapped into this power. You are a serious threat and terror to the devil. I don't care if you don't even know how to quote John 3.16. You don't even realize when an anointing is on your life, the devil fears you. Even every time you wake up, he trembles. That's why he starts your day off rough, throwing junk your way, throwing negative stuff. So he can keep you complaining and stop realizing who you really are. If he can, if he can keep you under him, then he's all right. But once you start understanding who you really are, that's when he really starts to bag away. That's when you really start seeing prayers answered. And God will sometimes allow scenarios to happen in your life where you lose a car, job, or house to teach you how to pray. God wants to teach his kids how to fight. Listen, the Bible says, fight the fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. And I'm here to tell you, God ain't got no pansies in his army. He don't have no sissies in his army. He don't have no little limp folk in his army that don't know how to do nothing. He got men and women with backbone like a crowbar. Strong and powerful, knowing who they are in Christ. 
And I'm here to tell you, you may not understand everything that's going on, but I'm here to tell you, you need to exercise your authority in Christ. God says, I have given you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen? But we let the devil run up the front of us and down the back of us, and he leaves tire tracks behind. And we sit around whining, talking about, I don't understand what's going on. Oh, God, the devil just doing crazy stuff around. Stop the devil and rebuke him. He's already been defeated. But if you don't know this, then you think he's alive and well. Let me tell you something. That rascal's bark is bigger than his bite. He'll come like a lion. The Bible says he walks to and fro the earth like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. You get a little headache, the devil tells you, cancerous tumor. All you got is a headache from stress. He whispers in your ear, cancerous tumor. You got a little backache or something, the devil tells you, you're getting ready to be paralyzed. I mean, you believe this stuff. You know, you lose your job, now the devil says, what's the use of living now? Kill yourself. Just because you lost a job, man, life goes on. There are other jobs. Maybe a business guy's trying to birth in you. Listen, sometimes God's got to kick you out the nest to teach you how to fly. We've been hanging around the nest too long. God says, it's time to fly. You've still been up there in that little comfortable comfort zone. God wants to soar you to different heights and levels in him. But we just allow the devil to just come in. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 14 real quick. Do you believe that before the devil was the devil, he was actually an archangel? Do you know that the Bible only mentions three archangels? There are three archangels mentioned in our Bible. And if there is any other archangel mentioned, then the Bible would have had it in there. But there are only three. I said that because one lady told me she went on a three-day and three-night fast, and the Lord showed her an archangel by the name of Dumbbella. I said, what? She said, yeah, the Lord told me there's an archangel named Dumbbella. I said, well, they, Dumbbella ain't in the Bible nowhere. Well, he, he, it don't have to be. He told me. It was a rhema word I got. You don't go by nobody's crazy visions that they've been eating spaghetti at 3 o'clock in the morning on. I'm here to tell you, don't let nobody tell you God told them. And if he did tell them, he will verify it in this word. There's no such spirit or uh, angel, archangel called Dumbbell and even in the Bible. So there are only three that the Bible mentions. And those three are Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Those are the only archangels. Now, the Bible tells us that there are different ranks of angels. Archangels were like the chief of angels. Then you have cherubim, and then you have cherubim. Anytime a Hebrew word has an I-M on the end of it, that's like our English word with an S on it. It makes the word plural. The I-M means many. So cherubim means plural. Angels, many angels, seraphim, cherubim. Some of these are winged angels. Some angels come in the form of human beings. According to Hebrews 13, the Bible says, Be careful how you entertain strangers, for by being good to strangers, some have entertained angels unawares. So some people actually are visitors from heaven and they'll disappear on you in a heartbeat. Now, that's not every person. That is very rare. And, you know, you, you know, we go to funerals and we say, oh, this person was such an angel. Well, they may have been a sweet person, but they really weren't an angel. Not an angel angel. They were just a person, maybe a sweet one. But I'm just letting you know, angels will come and they'll disappear on you. I mean, you can see throughout the Bible where they visited Abraham and they just upped and left. You know, you see where a fourth angel came into the fiery furnace when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. The Bible says he was likened to the Son of God. That was actually Jesus in incarnated flesh it, right there visiting them before his time came. And then there was an angel that stood with Joshua before he went into Jericho. And uh, Joshua said, uh, who are you? He says, uh, I, I didn't came, come here to take sides. I'm neither for you nor against you. I stand as the captain of the host of the army of the Lord. Loose your shoe from off your foot. The ground you stand on is holy. I do believe that was Jesus, though. But it was still an angel. 
But I'm letting you know angels come in the form of humans. When Lot and his wife were summoned by Abraham through his intercessory prayer, angels went there to deliver them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And these angels look like humans because the homosexuals there desired those men. And Lot with his crazy self offered his daughters up instead. Now what was wrong with that man? What was he thinking about? I wouldn't have dared even offer my daughters. But yet he wanted to protect these angels. But they look like men. But they were angels. So it goes to show you that angels come in the form of human. But now listen to this. When we talk about the angel Gabriel, Gabriel is known as the messenger angel. He's the word of God angel. He's only mentioned just a couple of times in the Bible. One time, one of the major times that Gabriel was mentioned was when the Virgin Mary conceived and Gabriel came and paid her a visitation. He doesn't just come to talk to anybody. He comes to talk to people that are getting ready to change the world. Catastrophic events, stuff that is world changing, earth shaking. So Gabriel shows up, tells Mary, blessed art thou among women. You know, you're blessed and so forth. God has heard your prayers. And then she says unto Gabriel, be it unto me, even according to thy word, Lord. Then, of course, Gabriel's off the scene. Then you hear about the last trump in Revelation sounding. And theologians believe that that's Michael, I mean, excuse me, Gabriel, the archangel coming, you know, to, to sound the alarm and so forth. But then you have the second archangel by the name of Michael. Somebody say Michael. Michael is different. He's not a word of God angel. He doesn't come to chit chat with anyone. Michael is a warrior. Anytime Michael is mentioned, there's fighting going on. And there's only one enemy, the devil, the dragon, the Bible calls him. So whenever Michael shows up, he doesn't come to greet you and how you doing today? How's God bless you? He comes to take care of business. Michael's looking for one, one joker, the devil. Where is he at? I came to spot the enemy out. And he takes him and jacks him up and kicks him right on out and gets on about his way. Michael don't fool around with nobody but the devil, and that's, that's at the bidding of God, and he jacks the devil up and takes him out every single time. The Bible tells you in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 7, that there was a great war that broke out in heaven, Michael and the archangel and so forth, against uh, Lucifer, and it says that Lucifer was cast out, he and one-third of the angelic population. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I beheld, listen, they came back bragging on the fact that demons were subject unto them through his name. And Jesus looked at the disciples when they came back bragging and excited about how they were casting demons out. They were like, hey, Lord, everybody, we cast demons out. Woo! We saw some miracles take place. They were all subject unto us through your name. These are the words Jesus said next. He said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I'm saying to myself, Jesus, why did you even say that? What does that have to do with demons and stuff coming out of people? These guys were all excited and happy. And then Jesus jumps off the subject seemingly and says, I beheld Satan As lightning falleth from heaven. What Jesus was simply saying was this. Don't you dare let the pride that was in the devil before the beginning get in you. Because Lucifer got that pride in him and Michael kicked him out like a boat of lightning. I was there when it happened. So what he was saying in essence was the pride that was in the devil is in you right now. And that's why he corrected them right after that and said rejoice not. Because devils and demons are subject unto you through my name, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So he straightened them out right there on the spot. He let them know. I saw Michael when he kicked him out like a millimeter of a second. Just like that. Michael jacked him up and kicked him right on out of there. One time Daniel was praying. Couldn't even get his prayer answered for 21 days. Three weeks. And then all of a sudden on the 21st day, an angel comes and delivers the message to Daniel. And he says, Daniel, I want you to know something. Day number one, when you prayed, God answered your prayer. He said, however, this place was so full of demons. The prince of Persia, these demons in that region, so many demons, so thick. 
packed upon packed, stacked upon stacks of demons. They hindered us from giving you your blessing. And only one angel can only kill about 85,000 demons. So he got a little worn out, so they had to call Michael in. When Michael shows up, they parted the waves. There wasn't no fight. They said, okay, guys, no sense in fighting. Here he is. And Michael had to come and deliver all of that so he can deliver the message to Daniel. Now, Michael is a warrior. Then you had the third rascal up there who used to be beautiful. His name was Lucifer. This angel was so beautiful, he, he gets the nickname of Son of the Morning. That's what God called him as a nickname, Son of the Morning. Now, listen to this. Here he is. He, he's the director of the heavenly angelic choir. Read it in Ezekiel chapter 28. You'll see it in there. All kind of different scriptures. You've got to look up and stuff, but you'll see it in there. So that's why the devil's so familiar with music. Because music is no surprise to the devil. He gets into music, believe you me. He knows a little bit about something dealing with music. He was the choir director in heaven. Now listen to this. Found in him, the Bible says, was pride. Now, you know, you want to get theological. Where did it come from? If there was no sin, how did it get? I don't know. I probably would never find that one out. But I'm here to tell you it was found in him, and the Bible promises us it'll never happen again. But God had a plan, my, my friend. He had a purpose. Now listen to this. When pride was found in the devil, he got kicked out. I asked a question once before. I said, God, why did you even allow for the devil to be here on the planet? Why couldn't it have been a perfect place? Why couldn't it have been a utopia like it was originally before Adam and Eve sinned? Why does it have to be the way it is? And I was asking God why he created the devil. And I honestly wanted him to answer me, but I didn't get an answer. So I went and prayed a second time. I said, Lord, show me and let me understand this. I said, I'm a preacher. You called me to preach. I need to know a little bit about what I'm preaching about. I said, I can't find any scriptures that show or share with me why Satan was even left here to be disruptive like he is. Why do you allow him to be here? And one day I was, I was, I fell asleep on, 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 on a bed where I was flipping through the TV and the channel landed on GPB TV, the channel my wife is on. You know, the channel that five or six people watch, I even fell asleep on it. But then I woke up. And when I woke up, I saw this documentary of this jeweler gathering diamonds together. I prayed about it, fell asleep on the bed, woke up with that channel on there. I don't even look at the channel, but the documentary kind of interests me a little bit. This guy was talking about diamonds and coal mining and all this kind of stuff and how they find diamonds and the jewel diamondeers or what do you call these guys, jewelers. They're, they're trained to know what type of material to look for the diamond in, whereas the ordinary person would just pass right by and wouldn't even know. But they, their eyes know what material and formation you know, to look for that they can go up under the crud and stuff and see that diamond in. They're trained for that. And they take you to the diamond mines and so forth. And when you go to these mines and stuff, the guy just pulled this ugly rock out. And when he brought it back to the shop, he scraped it off. And sure enough, under there, you see this big, huge rock, a crystal diamond. I mean, a perfect diamond, big diamond. And then they take it in this machine and he has to file it down and, you know, put all kind of different, you know, machines and different things on there to get the shape of what he's trying to get the diamond to be. So now he has to wear this eyepiece. And he has to shine a light on the diamond. And listen to this. It has to be in front of a black backdrop. And it has to be a velvet black material. Now this is what the process is. The light shining on the diamond exposes any porous formation within that diamond. Where there's oxidation in the diamond, where little holes and porous holes are, you got to file all of that down. And the black backdrop shows it up perfectly. He explained any other color would have fallacies where you couldn't see all the fallacies within the diamond. It had to be black, jet black, 
And when I saw that, I woke up and I said, look at you, God. Look at you, Lord. And he showed me right there the purpose for the devil. God said, you see, you're my precious jewel. You're the diamond. He says, and I'm the light of the world. I shine on you. And the black backdrop is the devil. He said, I've got to use him to see if you love me for me or if you don't love me. So in other words, the devil shows God who really loves him. Amen. Look at Isaiah 14. Let's look at verse 12. I promise you I'm going somewhere. I'm getting ready to speed it up. You got a bucket of seat belts a little tighter. We had 32,000 feet now at altitude. We're going, getting ready to level out here. We're going to be bringing the plane down shortly. You ready? Let's look at verse number 12. Verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut to the ground who didst weaken the nations? You've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Verse 15, God straightens them out. says, yet, you may have some great goals there, buddy. Yet, you shall be brought down to hell, Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. You got some dreams, but they ain't going to happen here. Now listen to this. This is what happens. There was pride found in Lucifer. Lucifer got kicked out of heaven. When he got kicked out of heaven, he poisoned the mind of one third of the angelic population. Now do you know that there are so many angels that God has created. Angels are without number. You can't even put a number on the angels. You can't even count them to the highest you know, the number we can come up. You know, To this power or that power. That wouldn't even match how many angels God has created in the beginning of time. Now, one-third of the angelic population was kicked out along with the devil. Now, listen to this. Where did all those demons end up? If you look in Jude, verse 9, it says that, uh, verse 6 of Jude, actually, says that God put many of them in chains of everlasting darkness until judgment. He put many of these demons in chains of everlasting darkness until the judgment. But now, a lot of them God allowed to exist on the planet how do I know this? You, are, you and I know it because of Genesis chapter 1. Turn to Genesis 1 with me real quick. This is all going to make sense. Y'all please be attentive. You got to follow me. I promise you it's going to all make sense. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. Everybody knows that. Amen. We don't know anything in the Bible. We can in fact close our Bibles and, and rehearse that. We can all say that together. What does it say? Amen. That's all you need to know. In the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. First of all, let me just tell you a little bit about how awesome this God is that we serve. God is so powerful and awesome, he doesn't even have a beginning. You do have to realize that, right? God is an eternal God. In him is no beginning. Therefore, there is no end in God. So, for the sake of time, God put this thing in eternity, a little space called time. That's where you and I come into play. But before time existed, God was always out in eternity. Where there is no beginning and there is no end. So for our sakes, he says, in the beginning, in the beginning of time, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness filled the face of the deep or covered the face of the deep. Now, why was the earth that God created, which was a perfect creation, and if you look in those further verses down, everything God creates, he says, it was good, and it was good, and it was good. Why was the earth without form and void? Why was there darkness upon the face of the deep? 
Well, the reason why theologians say the earth was without form and void and darkness is because those angels that were kicked out of heaven landed on the planet. How do we know they landed on the planet? Well, I was an astronomy major at Georgia State University, so I know a little bit about astronomy. One reason why, because there are only two planets in our solar system that have what we call greenhouse effects. Earth is one of them, and then Venus is another one. They have atmospheres in Venus. Of course, they don't believe it was life there, but then they're saying it possibly was. But long story short, wherever the devil landed, there were clouds. And then we just read in Isaiah 14 where it said he will extend his throne above the heights of the clouds. Geographically speaking, he's somewhere where there are clouds. So it's got to be a place on the planet where there's atmosphere, which was planet Earth. That's where he landed. That's why the earth was without form and void and darkness. Many demon spirits that were disembodied spirits, they landed on the planet also. Understand this. The devil has already been defeated. You've got to know this. But see, he started off as an archangel. And of all the three angels I mentioned, Gabriel, Lucifer, and Michael, he was the most beautiful of all of the archangels. He had more authority, basically, than all of them. He was so close to God at one point, it would be God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and Lucifer. He stood next to God. God's glory just rubbed off on him. That's why God gave him his own nickname, Son of the Morning. He had it going on, y'all. But he lost it and got kicked out, got dispossessed and he lost his beauty lost his glory and now he's the ugliest thing you ever want to see he's now the epitome of evil and sin he's the epitome of ugliness at one point he was the epitome of beauty but now he's the epitome of ugliness now he's jobless he's unemployed he don't have any position he lost his first estate he's kicked down to the earth he's a disembodied spirit Disembodied spirits are illegal on planet Earth. They cannot dwell unless they have a body because God didn't make a body for them. They're spirits living in another dimension. If they visit this planet, you'll never know that they're unless they have a body. That's why when the devil wanted to speak to Eve, he had to borrow somebody's body. Couldn't find no more humans because they were the only two, Adam and Eve. So he found the closest thing that he can find, which was the most cunning of all the creations, a serpent which at that time used to walk upright, believe it or not. So the devil jumped in the serpent's body and spoke in Aramaic to Eve and said to Eve, Hey, psst, come here. He said, Did God say you couldn't eat of all of these trees? She said, Well, he said we can have any tree we desire except for this tree over here called the knowledge of good and of evil. The devil said, Let me tell you why. He said you can't eat of that tree because the minute you do, your eyes are going to become open and you're going to be God's. And that's why God don't want you to do it. He says, go ahead and eat it, eat it. So he, ha he tempted her to eat the forbidden fruit from the tree. She did it. She ate it. But now listen to this. Turn to Genesis 1.26. Just, just a couple of verses over. 1.26. I'm getting ready to come to a close. Are y'all ready for that? Do y'all believe that? You say, well, I don't believe anything preachers say. How many times do preachers say, I'm coming to a close? And then 45 minutes later, I'm coming to a close. All right. But uh, the plane is still 33,000, but it's, it's descending now, I promise you. It really is. Okay. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Yeah. I didn't hear nobody on that one. Are y'all getting anything out? Yeah. Yeah, it's trying to make me feel good, huh? All right. All right. Anyway, let's, get, let's keep going. I got one fan here. Stephanie said it's good, so it's good. All right, Stephanie. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. This is one of God's names that he introduces himself as. Let us make man in our image. Let us. 
make man in our image. This is one of God's names here. One of his Hebrew names that he uses in this particular passage of, of uh, scripture here. Now listen to this. It goes on to say, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over all, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, does that leave anything out? Let this man that we're creating, listen, let this man we're creating have power over all the sky. Everything that flies in the sky, all the birds of the air, pterodactyls, if they were pterodactyl creatures flying back to everything that flew. Man had power over all of these animals. He says over the earth. That includes the whole planet. Then he says the cattle. And he even goes down further. The creeping things on the earth. Didn't leave any stones unturned. Then he says let's go out here to the sea. Every fish in the sea. Man has dominion and power over all of this. Okay. So man in essence was considered to be the God of planet earth. God says I am the God of the earth. I own it. I'm the God of heaven, but I'm going to let you manage my planet called Earth. I'm going to put you charge over it. I'm going to have the fear of animals respecting mankind. No such thing as a killer whale. No such thing as a man-eating lion before the curse. You could bite an apple, my friend, and after you've bitten into this apple, you could have put it on a rock. Adam could have set that apple on his rock. He and Eve could have gone out there in the fields and played around and ran around and did everything, had fun. Three years later, they can come back to the same apple, and you'll still see the fresh juice still dripping out of that apple. No such thing as bacteria to cause it to, to decay. That wasn't like that before uh, the earth was cursed. None of that existed. It was a perfect world, beautiful world. Listen to this. So Eve partook of the uh, fruit. Now when she partook of the fruit, nothing happened. You know why? Because God put the man in control, or not in control, but over the woman. Man and women, uh, men and women are equal. However, God has put the man as to be the head of the woman. Amen? Understand that. So he was the head, and because he was the head, God wouldn't have even done anything because he would have just winked at Eve's disobedience. But the one he put in control or in charge of partook also. That's when the earth went through a catastrophic major change and event of chain of action, of uh, reaction started taking place. Do you realize what Adam just did? Listen to this. The devil's plan was to be like God. Now, devil, you're, you're delusional. That can't happen. Well, I'm going to try to get as close to it as possible. Well, that still can't happen because you got kicked out of heaven. You had the greatest position up there. Now you're busted down to zero. And God says, I'm getting ready to create my greatest creation above anything I've ever made, even above angels. His, this creation is going to be called mankind. I'm going to create him after my image and after my likeness. We just read it in verse 26. Let us create man in our image after our likeness. Us is Jesus and the Holy Ghost because they're one. They're one. Now, God says, let them have dominion. We're going to, let, we're going to make these guys like us. Now, God doesn't have two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears. God is a spirit. But now, the Bible says, when he made man from the dust of the earth, it says that he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. God's spirit entered into a man. Boom! Man came alive. He was a living soul. So listen, you and I have eternality built in us. Every human that is born on the planet has a spirit. However, most people that don't know Jesus, their spirit is dead on the inside. They try this religion, nothing happens. They try this cult, nothing happens. They just, some of them are just flat heathens. They don't believe in nothing. Nothing still happens. But then all of a sudden they bump into Jesus. Boom! Your spirit is quickened all of a sudden. Because it knows where it came from. And when you, you talk about Jesus, your spirit stands up at attention. 
This is the man I came from. And once you say yes to Jesus, your spirit man comes to life. He says he has quickened our mortal bodies. That's when we come up. You can try any, any other religion, but it's all mind over matter. It's all a mind psyche thing. Nothing touches the heart of man but the Holy Ghost. And that spot, my friend, is only reserved for none other than the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now listen to this. So this is the deal. Satan is jobless, but now God has created the greatest creation because the Bible says that mankind is higher than the angels. Now I know there's a scripture that says God has made him a little lower than the angels. I don't want you to be confused. Look it up. When it says he's made him a little lower than the angels in Hebrews, it's talking about God's, G-O-D-S. It made, he made him a little lower than God's. That's what the word angels is, is interpreted as. Because in 2 Corinthians, the Bible says that we are going to judge angels. If we're made lower than angels, how then do we judge angels? So it goes to show you we're made higher than angels. We're made in the image and after the likeness of God. Were angels made in the image and the likeness of God? No. They're created beings to serve God, but we were made in his image and after his likeness. Now listen to this. As soon as we're made in his, his likeness and stuff, now mankind is the God of planet Earth. The devil comes up to Eve. She partakes of the fruit. Adam eats of it. And Adam just did something stupid. He took the title deed to planet Earth and signed it over to the devil when he disobeyed God. So that means that Satan now has control over everything in the air, all the cattle, creeping thing, and everything in the sea. And the devil poisoned the mind of the animal kingdom. That's why the animal kingdom is considered to be dangerous now. And it will kill people now. It wasn't from the beginning. But now the devil is now the god of this world where it used to be Adam. Now listen to this. How do we stop this rascal? How do we stop the devil? Listen, God can't even send Michael to jack him up anymore. Please turn to one more book. Turn to Jude, will you? If you don't know what Jude is, just turn to the book of Revelation. Mother Bronner, how you doing there? I didn't even see you earlier. Turn to the book of Jude, verse number 9. Right before you get to Revelation. Listen to this. Now, I, 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 don't, I, don't ex I don't know how to explain all of this in detail. I'm just going to tell you the part I do know, because I'm not going to sit up here and lead anybody astray. I'm not one of these theologians here, but I can explain it the best I can. Listen. Verse 9 says... Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. What does that mean? This is what it means. Don't ask me why and how. I don't understand all the details. But for some reason, the devil appeared and was trying to dig up the body of Moses. The Bible says when Moses died, he walked on top of the Mount Horeb, Horeb and then he just died. He was 120 years old when he died. Now, I don't know why the devil wants to dig up the body of Moses. I don't even understand the theology behind that. The, the, the guy's spirit is separate from his body. I don't know what the devil had any business up there trying to dig up Moses' body for anyway. But for whatever reason, God had to send Michael there to knock the devil away. Now, li li listen to this. Normally, I told you, Michael doesn't come and chit-chat with anybody. But Satan, who was unemployed because he was kicked out of heaven, jobless, now has a position higher than anything. He has mankind's position. Satan is walking in the Adamic authority. He was walking in Adam's authority because it was transferred over to the devil illegally. However, the transfer went forth. 
That's why God cursed the earth. Sin was rampant and the devil is in charge of sin. That's why the world is in the shape of sin. Because the Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of them. The God of this world is now Satan. Used to be Adam. But he turned the deed over to Satan when he disobeyed God. Now the devil has a position very high. So high that he's almost like what he said he wanted to be. Think about it. It's so high that when Michael sees Satan, he would normally jack him up. Michael couldn't touch him. It said he didn't bring against him a railing accusation. It meant your authority, Satan, is greater than mine now because you're walking in Adam's authority. And i got to respect that. However, the Lord rebuke you. Now get on out of here. He said, now, he sent me down here to rebuke you. Now, if you don't move, he's going to step on the scene. And the devil had to get out of that end. But see, Michael couldn't even jack him up no more because he couldn't touch him. He had to respect the Adamic authority Satan was walking in. Now, listen to this, y'all. We got a problem. How are you going to stop this rascal? Who can stop him? God can't send no angel because the angel's not in, not nowhere in comparison to Adamic authority. God, God can't send a regular man or can he? Now, see, what you don't realize is when God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were in heaven creating mankind, they had a conference up there. Nothing catches God by any surprise. Now, here, the plane is coming in for a landing, y'all. It sees the runway. I'm telling you, that's how close we are to closing. So hold, hold tight. I'm bringing this thing to a close. Amen? Fasten them seatbelts. Now, keep them buckled. Remember, no smoking. <laughs> when you go to hell, you smoke. When you got nobody going to hell around here. All right, now, listen very carefully. So now we got the devil that's in charge of everything, and now he's in, he's in authority, he's in power and so forth, and, and, and it's, it's like it's in a crazy situation. It's almost like mankind is hopeless. But see, God is so cool. I love this about God. He's got this thing so planned out. He, he's not in heaven walking back and forth, wringing his hands out going, oh, the earth is out of control. What am I going to do now? <laughs> he's not in a frenzy. God had a plan way before he even created this thing. God looked at Jesus and said, listen here, come here, Psst, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come here. He said, uh, you see this rascal over here, Lucifer? In a couple of days, Michael's going to kick him out. He says, I'm going to make mankind my greatest creation, but he, Lucifer's going to turn into Satan. He's going to corrupt mankind. And when he corrupts mankind, Adam's going to give the, the title deed of the earth over to mankind. He says, now what am I going to do? He says, now Jesus, I only got one plan. You got to go down there. Jesus said, prepare for me a body, Lord. He said, I'll go down, deliver man with the stroke of my life. He says, Lord, I'm right there. God, count me in. Then Jesus looked at the Holy Ghost and said, hey, buddy, listen here. When I go down, I got to strip myself of my authority. I got to be 100% man, and I have to be a servant unto obedience. He said, I'm going to be such a man that when I die, I'm dead. Unless you raise me up, Holy Ghost. Can I count on you? The Holy Ghost said, Jesus, I got your back. When you're ready for it, give me the word. I'm going to raise you right on up. Now listen to this. The Bible says, worthy is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. God already had a plan. He already had this thing mapped out. So all of a sudden, the devil's plan is in action. The devil's going around here strutting his stuff, thinking he's all that. He's got all his power and stuff. He's the God of this world, thinking he's all of that. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is born in the fullness of time. Here he is, a virgin birth, the woman by the name of Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, because he couldn't have been conceived by mankind, because he would have been tainted with sin. So the Holy Ghost had to be the one that planted the seed in her. All of a sudden, here comes Mary, popping out Jesus. When Jesus grows up, he's all God, yet he's all man. Listen to this, y'all. 
He's obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now I'm here to tell you something took place catastrophically in the Bible. Do you know that between Malachi and the book of Matthew, there's a 400 year period of silence? Because everybody was waiting until some better plan would come. God had the Old Testament law where every time a person sinned, you had to offer up a sacrifice of an animal. And the animals were just dying left and right. People were sinning like crazy. It was a schoolmaster to let them know they could never be, you know, delivered from sin because they're in the flesh. But God kept telling them about a better promise that would come. The prophets kept prophesying about a better promise. All of creation was waiting for this better promise to come. Somebody say amen. Listen to it like this. The Holy Ghost kind of explained it like this. Between Malachi and Matthew, there, were no, there was 400 period years of silence. No prayers went up and no answers came down. Church bells stopped ringing. Choir robes got mildew. Hymn books got dusty. Prophets and priests, doors locked up. My friend, the birth of Jesus Christ and the whole earth was waiting for and groaning for the manifestation of the Son of God. Listen, they tell me that the hummingbirds stopped humming. Mockingbirds start singing, canaries start chirping, owls start hooping, hyenas start laughing, and crickets start cricking. Grasshoppers started hopping, spiders started spinning, monkeys started scratching. Wasn't nobody mad but the devil. Because Jesus is about to be birthed, y'all. Somebody say hallelujah to God. Listen, in his divinity, he was... In his divinity, he was God's way to man, but in creation, God took a woman's body from a man. But in the new creation, God took a man from the body of a woman. Jesus Christ, which is the Son of God, became the Son of Man, that we, the sons of men, might become the sons of God. Hallelujah. He laid aside his robe of deity, and he walked like a man, but he talked like God. He's faster than a speeding bullet because he walked straight through the wall. He's more powerful than a locomotive because when he died, he held the whole weight of the world on his shoulders. He's able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. When he saw Mary, he said, don't touch me yet. I have not yet ascended. But when Jesus went to heaven, he knocked on heaven's pearly gates. Michael came to the gate and said, who is it? Jesus said, it's the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, all you gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the Prince of Glory shall come in. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. My friend, he went past the gates. He went to the very ark of the covenant in heaven. And Jesus poured his own blood out on the altar. Listen, the cosmic laboratory in heaven had to analyze the blood. It came back spotless. It came back blemishless. It came back pure, undefiled. Somebody give God glory. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. It came back incorruptible, my friend. When all heaven and earth got the news, Jesus came back down to the earth in his new body and said, All power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Behold, I give unto you power. In other words, I'm going to restore back everything Adam lost through my name right now. Amen? Somebody give God some glory. The Bible says the devil walks to and fro the earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but I got news for you. Jesus yanked his teeth out of his mouth on the cross of Calvary. He can't do nothing but bark. His bark is bigger than his bite. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah, Lord. Beat the devil down, my friend. Beat the devil down. Don't stop just because he's, he's down. Keep him down under your feet. Beat him down. But you got to understand who you are. And the only way you're going to know who you are is you got to understand who he is. Amen.
It's at the cross where we find our identity. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize that the identity inside of a man is found on the side of the father? Listen to this. On his mother's side, he was 33 and a half years old. But on his daddy's side, before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. On his mother's side, he attended the wedding at Cana. But on his daddy's side, he turned water into wine. On his mother's side, he visited the grave of Lazarus. But on his daddy's side, he said, Lazarus, come forth. On his mother's side, my friend, he took a boat across the sea, but on his daddy's side, he walked on the water. On his mother's side, he got hungry, but on his daddy's side, he's the bread of life. On his mother's side, he got thirsty, but on his daddy's side, he said, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody give God glory around here. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and was not anything made that was made in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness. I mean, I'm telling you, back there in eternity, way back in eternity, there was a supreme court of heaven that had taken place. And listen, justice... And then the devil were fighting back and forth with one another. The devil said, God, you said in your word, the soul that sins shall die. He said, man has sinned and it's no more right that he die. Justice leaped over the pedestal in glory. Love fell under the altar. Hope fell prostrate. Victory went down at defeat. Heaven was shook up. And heaven was disturbed. Somebody said, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're not out yet. I see under the altar of God, a lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus came out from under the altar, said, Lord, prepare for me a body. He said, I'll go down, I'll pay my man's debts with the stroke of my life. He looked at the devil and said, devil, you meet me at Calvin's brow 43 generations from now. He said, you be there on time, devil. All of a sudden, Jesus came into my world and your world and he defeated the devil, rendered him powerless. Now we got more power than we had even before the fall. Can you imagine that? Jesus Christ said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Adam had all power on earth, but he had no power in heaven. But the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places with Christ because of Jesus. Somebody give his name glory right now. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. I want to ask you a question in in conclusion. How big is your problem this morning? Do you know that scientists tried to weigh the earth and there's no way you can weigh this earth? Listen, listen, let me tell you this. The earth spins every 23 hours, 56 minutes and 4 seconds. It makes one complete revolution every 23 hours, 56 minutes and 4 seconds. The difference of those seconds add up and over a period of every so many years we have leap years to catch up the calendar. Because it's not quite 24. But listen to this. Do you realize that as the earth is spinning every 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4 seconds, it makes a revolution around the entire sun every 365 days? The earth makes one whole revolution around the entire sun. It takes 365 days. That's where we get our year from. Our solar system is going at a speed in space of 66,000 miles per hour. And nobody falls off the planet. Isn't that amazing? They tried to weigh the earth. There's no way you're going to weigh it. Well, first of all, what you going to put the scale on? God hung the earth on nothing. Then what you going what you going what you going to hold the scale on? Scientists they, they came up with some ridiculous crazy figure. They said something like 999 quintillion tons. My question to you is this. How big are your problems?
How much do they weigh? God hung the whole earth on nothing and put all things under your feet. You're the head, not the tail. I want to ask why every head is bowed right now, every eye closed, if you don't mind. If there's a person among us today, you got a problem that's seemingly unbearable for you right now that you can't handle. Maybe you're at the brinks of bankruptcy or maybe you've even uh, filed for bankruptcy in chapter 13 chapter 11 if you have a business or whatever whatever situation you face with maybe you've gone through a divorce or maybe you're in the middle of a ugly divorce maybe you've lost your job you lost your house you lost your car whatever the situation is i want you to know that god has already worked the thing out now you've got to learn to open your mouth and to start speaking the promises of god back into your life because you will have what you say according to the word of God you'll have what you say and if you speak into this mountain and say be thou removed and be thou cast into this sea the Bible says and if you don't doubt in your heart but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever things he or she saith you have to shape listen you shape your world If you're going through a terrible financial situation, can I give you a major guaranteed solution? I can promise you it'll get you out of your financial situation. Are y'all ready for it? Give! You say, that don't make no sense, man. I'm the one in need. I am the one in need. I ain't got nothing to give. You got something to give. And it don't even have to necessarily be finances. Maybe you you owned two or three houses or you may own two or three cars. That was a situation my wife and I were facing. We've gone through a terrible situation where we had a rental property and we couldn't get nobody in there. And we about to lose it. And we prayed and prayed and tried to sell it. Couldn't sell. And God said, give one of your cars away. Give a car away. I heard that and I'll be honest with you. I said, devil, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And the Lord said, no, this is not the devil. This is me. Give your car away. Fix it up and give it away. I fixed the car up and was still working on it for me. But then God says, give it away. So then I said, I said this to the Lord in a, in a kind of joking way, knowing that, knowing, thinking he wasn't going to answer. I said, well, Lord, if you want me to give this car away, I want you today to specifically tell me in my ear who to give it to. And I'm thinking, well, God ain't going to do that. I went to church that Monday, that Wednesday. I had to teach my foundation, the Christian class there. And right before we closed the class out, a lady raised her hand. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, Reverend Blackshear, can the class pray for me tonight? I've been without a car for two weeks. And my son and I have been praying, asking God to bless us with a car. We don't have any money. I don't have a job. I have to go with my neighbor. But when she doesn't come to church, I don't have a way here. And I need God to bless me with a car. And God said, any questions, Charles? I said, oh, Lord. (laughs) It happened the very day I prayed that prayer. I couldn't even believe it. I gave the car, and immediately somebody called us up, and we had a, a tenant in our house for three and a half years right after I gave that car. No joke. And that man never missed a payment. I'm here to tell you, God is good. Your need, give. Then you give your way out. Give. If you don't have money, give whatever you got. Ask God to touch your heart. He'll tell you just like he told me. Listen, if you're going through sickness, God will heal you. The devil brings, any, he brings the sickness, but sometimes we allow sickness to come in because we don't do common sense things. I'm sure your pastors here, especially Pastor Nathaniel, they minister on health. I already know that. I, I watched the program. They preach on health and eating right. And, and I'm telling you, some of us don't do it. And therefore, we cause an early death. 
It's not the devil. It's our choices in some cases. And we're blaming everything on the devil, but some of this stuff is just common sense. This ends message number 6288 by Charles Blackshear. To send this message, beat the devil down. Number 6288 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 6288. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.